chapter 1 is where we left off, verse 8. Good time to turn your Bibles with me there. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. All right, let's pray, huh? Ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Lord Jesus, it's so good to be together, to be with you this morning. To be able to just settle our hearts now before you. To know that you're here right in the midst of your church, your bride, your flock, Lord. Thank you that you are our our good shepherd. Thank you for how you shepherd our lives, for how you lead us and guide us. Thank you for how you love us so wonderfully. Thank you for how you cherish each one of us. And thank you for how you nourish us. We are in need of your nourishment this morning. And you're the one that makes us to lay down in the green pastures and to feed. And so we want to lay down in those green pastures to feed and to rest in your presence. To be in tune with what you have for each one of us. That we would have ears to hear. God, open our eyes. Help us to hear, Lord, what you desire us to hear individually, corporately. And we thank you ahead of time for all the great things that you are going to do this morning. We open our hearts to you now. And it's in your precious and holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 So if you were here last week, you remember the first five words of this book are pretty much the most important words, I think, of the entire book, Revelation. Notice it's not revelations. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? Revelation means revealing. It means uncovering. In other words, we are, we are going to see Jesus in all of his splendor, all of his beauty, all of his majesty. It, it's like God wants us to see Jesus in a fresh and a new way. And some of us are in need of that this morning. Some of us are in need of seeing Jesus in a new and a fresh way, hearing from the Lord in a new and a fresh way. We left off in uh, verse 8, and so there's this great reminder this morning as we, as we study this chapter that, that Jesus is the theme. He's the point of this book. He's the purpose of this book. Listen, if you are studying and you're intrigued by all sorts of other things and you never really dig deep, into the person, the nature, and work of Jesus Christ, then you've missed the whole purpose of the book. The whole purpose of the book is to know Jesus. Jesus is being revealed to us. And so chapter 1, verse 8, here's where we begin this morning. And it's Jesus speaking. And he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, 
was on the island that is called Patmos, and here's why, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Let's stop right there just for a moment. We'll move forward in just a second because John's going to turn around and see the one who is speaking to him. But I want to draw your attention back to verse 8 for just a moment. So we read that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. So Jesus, it's, it's almost like saying Jesus is life's A to Z. Isn't that great? He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. The Bible tells us he's the author and finisher of our faith. And, and, and maybe you're sitting here going, that's great this morning, Pastor. I love that he's the beginning, the end, and the author and the finisher. But what about right now? What, you don't know what I'm going through, the crisis I'm facing, the difficulties, the hardships that are going on. Listen, Jesus does, and he is with you. He promises to never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible says if you've trusted in him, not only is your life in his hands, but your times are also in his hands. And so we can take a deep breath this morning. Jesus is God. He's claiming deity here. He is God. He is unchanging. We can, we can rest this morning. If maybe you've been biting your nails and pacing back and forth and stressing out. You can take a deep breath. And just be reminded this morning that Jesus is in control. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Amen. You know, that's a, that's a huge testimony to the people around us. When you're, just, when you're just chill and you're nice. Do you know that's a huge testimony? Just relaxed and nice to people. Because people will wonder, what is going on in your life, man? There's bombs dropping on, on, around you and things are difficult. And you're just resting in the Lord in His promises, in Him. You're trusting in Him. You're, you have the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace in your life going on. And people will begin to wonder, what are you tapped into? Just being calm and nice. Isn't that simple? <laughs> Just being simple, calm, and nice. And Jesus also says in that verse, look what it says, the last, last identifying mark. He is the Almighty, you guys. He is claiming deity. That word is the word we find in the Old Testament, El Shaddai which means the poorer or the poorer forth of power. In other words, Jesus is the source of all power. Does anyone need his strength this morning? I do. I love that he provides the strength that we need. He couples with his commandments, his enablements, enabling us to do what he asks us to do. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in our, in our weakness. How glorious is that? He gives us the strength we need each day. And by the way, if you're taking notes, I'm going to flip there real quick because this is very important. Isaiah chapter 44. You guys remember I mentioned last week, how many references in the book of Revelation go back to the Old Testament? Anybody remember? 55? No. 550. 550. Check this out, guys. There's 550 references back to the Old Testament. That tells me something. Should that tell us something this morning? It's probably important to know. 
something about the Old Testament. But I'm gonna, as we work our way through, I'm going to help us see these things. Isaiah, 40, Isaiah 44, because Jesus here in Revelation 1 is claiming deity. And we find this same phrase in the Old Testament, Isaiah 44, verse 6. Ready for this? Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Did you guys catch that? That's pretty awesome, isn't it? That's the same thing Jesus is saying here in the New Testament. We find those same words of the God of the Old Testament as found here by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he will say this same phrase three times in this chapter. And so we move on. Look at verse 9. I, John, which John is this? Is this John the Baptist? Which is this? John the Apostle. It's interesting, though. Notice how he presents himself. What does he say? I, John, your your brother. Listen, John, like, never lost sight or, or the excitement of being one of God's children. How do we know that? First John chapter 3. Remember what John writes there? Behold what manner of love that the Father has bestowed upon us that we might be called the children of God. Does that still blow you away? That you're a child of God? Does that blow anybody away here? You guys still here with me? Does that blow you away? God made you his child? And he brought us into a family. And John doesn't say, I'm writing, I'm the eminent apostle, theologian. He says, I'm your brother. We're part of a family. And not just that, what else does he say? You're what? You're com- does your Bible say companion? Yes. You're a companion. It means, it means uh, you're, you're co- not co-laborer, but you're, I'm a partner with you. We're in this together. In other words, we're in this together. Three things. What does it say? I'm your partner together with you in what? What's the first thing he says? He mentions in tribulation. This is tribulation, by the way, small t, not capital T. We'll learn about that later in the book of Revelation in chapter 6 through 19. That covers the period of the great tribulation. But this tribulation, Jesus said it would happen to us, didn't he? Anybody remember that? Where do we find that? Who knows where we find that? John 16. What does it say? John 16. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you. Check it out. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. That word tribulation means pressing Pressure, compressing. Anybody ever experienced that in their life? That's like maybe 60% of the room. Could you pray for the rest of us? You feel that just things pressing in, bills, your health, situations in your life, your job. Anybody ever get stressed out? That's what it's talking about here. It's stress, it's pressure pressing in on you. And it happens, it happens because we live in a fallen world, because there's a very real enemy that comes against us when we're, when we're walking in the Spirit and living for Jesus, for sure. We're still in this fallen bodies, this fallen flesh. And so it's important to be reminded. He says, listen, I'm with you. We're together in this thing. We are going through pressure, difficulty, hard times, persecution together. I'm with you. I know what you're going through. 
I'm in. I'm with it too. Living, living in this world as a believer now, it is hard. It's difficult. There's gnarly stuff. But he also says, I'm your companion in what? What's the second thing he says? In the, what does your Bible say? In the what? In the, before that, before, after tribulation, what's it say? In the kingdom. Guys, he says, I'm your, I, we're together in God's kingdom. We're part of God's kingdom. Do you know you're part of God's kingdom if you're a child of God? If you're trusting in Jesus, you've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and you've been brought into the kingdom of his son of love. You're in a new kingdom now. Isn't that beautiful? We've got a, that means we have a king that we bow our lives to. We bow our knee to. We bow and surrender to our king who's conquered our hearts with his love. What's the third thing? He says, we're together in what? We're together in patience of Jesus Christ. What's that talking about? The patience of Jesus Christ. Well, I think it means this. Together we're patiently waiting for the coming of the Lord. We are patiently waiting for the coming of the Lord, for the rapture of the church, Jesus coming for his bride. Jesus said that he will come for us, and what's going to happen? We're going to meet him in the air, and that we will be together with him in the place that he's preparing for us right now, right? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus said. In my Father's house are a couple shacks. Know what it says? What is it? Many mansions. Hey, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go, check it out. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Does that excite anybody today that Jesus is coming? Are you waiting for him with expectation? He may come today. I'm practicing. Let's, let's do this thing, Lord. Come quickly, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Are you longing for his return? Notice where John is. It's, he says in verse 9, on the island that is called Patmos. And John was banished. I talked about this last week. You remember, they tried to kill the apostle John. They tried to boil him in oil. And they couldn't kill him. Like, right? They tried to deep fry him. And they couldn't kill him. So what do they want to do? They wanted to make an example of John. So they sent him to this prison island that's approximately like seven miles or six miles by ten miles. It's like a rock. And he was there as an elderly man, probably around 95 years old. He's in his 90s. And he's exiled to this island and he's chained to a Roman guard with probably maybe some other prisoners. And there he is. He's, he's at this place. He's isolated. And notice why, for two reasons. It says, number one, why? For the word of God. He was banished, he was exiled to this place. Why? Because he held on to his Bible. Because he, do you guys believe your Bible? He, was, he, he believed his Bible, he shared the, the truth and love with people from the word of God. He lived, he lived the Bible, what it says, he walked in those things that God instructs us to walk in. And what happened to him? He experienced persecution. You guys ever share the word of God with anybody? You ever experienced persecution? Or, or, or every time you share, do people come up and go, oh, that was so great. Thank you. You're so wonderful. No. Man, even co-workers, they don't want to hear it. People at school, they don't want to hear it. People in the community, they don't want to hear it. We live in a world that's getting darker and darker and darker, more against Jesus, more against his word. And here's John. What does he do? He counts the cost. 
I've been saved. I've been saved from hell. Experienced the forgiveness of all my sins. His word has transformed my life. I can't shut up about the one I love and what he says. I can't hold it in. And he got sent to this island because of the word of God. And notice something else. What does it say at the end of the verse? For what? For the testimony of Jesus Christ. For declaring who Jesus is, what Jesus said. Who is Jesus? He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. Him. Are you with me this morning? That truth is getting attacked all the time. And you know what? There are churches, there are pastors, there are believers that 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 are giving in that are buckling under the pressure of of saying Jesus is the only way. He is the only way. He said it. I'm glad that he even made a way for me to get to heaven, and it's through him. He did all the work. All he's asking for you and I to do is to trust in him. Have you shared Jesus the good news? It is good news, by the way. We share the things that we love. We share the things that matter to us dearly and deeply. And so... He's willing to pay the price to serve Jesus. And and I hear sometimes people say to me, well, Pastor, Mike, you know what, dude? If I share at the office, something bad's going to happen. I may lose my... John, have you counted the cost? Pastor, if I share with... If I share with my friends, I'm going to lose all my friends. Have you counted the cost? If I share with this really cute guy, he may never talk to me again. And I think he's a Christian. He's got a T thing on, you know, on his neck. And he's, just got, he's got big old hammers, pipes, so muscular. I think he's got a tattoo of a cross there too. Only God is my judge. <laughs> if, if, that, if, if I hit somebody this morning with that, the shoe fits, wear it, bro. <laughs> If you're wearing that thing, you better be living for him. Because he didn't just say, believe in, believe in the cross, that he died on the cross, but take up your cross. <laughs> to deny yourself, to take up the cross and follow him. Because that's where life is found. That's where resurrection life is found. That's what John found. And he, was, and he experienced persecution for it. John is 90 plus years old. And guess what? He gets a fresh revelation of Jesus. Is that interesting to anybody just to consider? He's, he's been walking with the Lord for decades, and he too is in need of a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for decades. Do you know that you too and I are in need of a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ? To see him in a new way and in a fresh way. And that's exactly what happened here to John. Notice what it says in verse 10 with me. Let's read it, guys. It says, he says, I was in the Spirit... On the Lord's day. Isn't that beautiful? I was in the Spirit. John was not in the flesh. He was in the Spirit. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? To be in the Spirit? That's what we're we're called to be continually walking in the Spirit as Christians. But what does that mean? What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Here's one example. It's to be continually communing with the Lord, to be connected to the Lord. And what begins to happen is you're abiding in Him. You're bearing the fruit of the Spirit. You're looking to Him in all things, to His wisdom, seeking His face. And here's John, and he's, he's sitting there, and he's having church. On this island, on this rock, what's he doing? He's having church. He's in the Spirit, seeking the face of Jesus. What was the Lord's day? What's the Lord's day? Anybody? 
Sunday, thank you. The first day of the week in ancient times. It's Sunday. It's the day, listen, it's the day when the church gathered together to commemorate Jesus rising from the dead because that's the day he rose on. They're gathering together to break bread, to fellowship, to get into the word, to seek the face of the Lord. And I love this. It's all about attitude this morning. He's in the spirit. He's not bitter or angry. Oh, I've served you all this time and now this. Now I'm in this place. I'm in this brutal place. I've served you. I've done what you've asked me to do. That wasn't his attitude on the Lord's day. He was all alone and he was engaged, you guys. Everything was stripped away from him. And what is he's in the spirit. What is it like? What was it like for Sunday morning for him? Probably sitting on a rock, maybe seeking the Lord, seeking his face. He was in the spirit, communing with God. He was engaged. Check this out. He was engaged physically, mentally, and spiritually. When you come to folk, when you come to church, what are you focused on? Do you come to the church in the, do you come to church in the spirit? This morning, some of us do come physically and you kind of go in and out of consciousness, though. I, I know exactly which which of you all sleep, by the way. Don't ever try to fake me out because there are people that try to fake me out. Did you know that? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> you can we can fool. I, you can't fool the Lord, though. He knows. If, listen, if, if you're a chronic snoozer here. Uh, you got a chronic heart problem. I love you, but you have a heart problem. Because the Lord wants to meet with you. You need to come in the Spirit. Some of us, you're engaged physically. Oh, and you're trying to be engaged mentally. But the problem is you don't get it spiritually. You leave and you just don't get it spiritually. You don't connect. And there's a problem. It's because you're not connected spiritually. You're not online spiritually. Why? Because the scriptures, the Bible says the scriptures are spiritually discerned. What does that mean? It means without the Holy Spirit in your life, you can't understand the word of God. And that's what happened. Before I got to know the Lord, before I came to know him personally, before I got born again and opened my heart to Jesus, I had no clue what this thing was saying. It was like, oh yeah, it's all Greek to me, man, whatever. But then you get to know the Lord when what happens? God Almighty, miracle of miracles, God Almighty in the person of the Holy Spirit does what? He comes and he takes residence in your heart and in your life. And what happens? I, we just sang it, didn't we? I was blind, but now I, I see. I get it. I understand. His word now, his word goes from words on a page to what? To life. It's our daily bread. Are you with me? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I need that nourishment every day. You need that nourishment every day, brother or sister. And so, you guys remember when Jesus, John chapter 3, met with Nicodemus? You guys remember Nick at night? Comes to Jesus, right? Jesus, Jesus straight up says, you must be born again. And he's like, and he was seeking the Lord. Check this out. Don't miss this. He was seeking the Lord physically, mentally. He wanted to get it. What does that mean? I have to hop back into my, I'm old. How can I hop back into my mother's womb? And Jesus said, no, you must be born spiritually from above. 
That's the, most, that's the most important decision you'll ever make is getting born again by trusting in Jesus Christ that you may be made alive spiritually, that you would come to know the Lord personally. For some of you, you come in here and you're trying to get dialed in, you're trying to learn, you want, you're seeking, but you, but you haven't opened your heart to the Lord yet. And once you do, you will get it. You will be online spiritually. Some of us, you don't just show up physically, mentally, but you're spiritually connecting and communing with the Lord this morning. You're hearing from Him. You're communing with the Lord. Your spiritual gifts are being demonstrated when you're walking in the Spirit, and it all begins with attitude, you guys. It begins with our attitude. John, again, think of John's circumstances here. He's all alone. He didn't need church. He didn't say, I can't worship. I don't have church. I don't have, I don't have a seat. I don't have, there's no band. There's no steeple. There's no cross. Where's the cross? None of that, none of that mattered to him. He didn't need, listen, this morning, he didn't need someone to, to, to get them to go to church, get him to go to church. Because that happens sometimes, right, dudes? Wifey poo's gone. And what happens? Oh, all these games are on. He didn't, need any, he didn't need any prodding. He's in the Spirit. I love that. Everything was stripped away from him. You know something? Listen, this morning, when, when, when things get stripped away, we see where we are spiritually. When things get stripped away, we really get to see where we are spiritually. If we are connecting, communing with the Lord in the Spirit. I would say this morning, if I'm not in the spirit here this morning in the church, there's a good chance I won't hear what God wants to say to me. Are you with me still? Pastor, would you prove it from Scripture? I've st- I don't buy it yet. How about Jesus and the Pharisees? Remember when Jesus was in the house and they let the paralyzed man down through the roof? You guys remember that story? Remember who was sitting there, had front row seats for the Bible study? Who was sitting there? You guys remember? Thank you, the Pharisees, religious leaders. Did they know their Bibles? Of course they did. They knew everything. They knew the Word of God. And it says, check this out, it says in that text, the power of the Lord was there to heal them. They were in need of healing. But what did they say? I don't need to be healed. I'm good. I know the Bible. I'm I'm grandfathered into heaven, man. Father Abraham, I'm good to go. And the Lord said, what? No, you need to repent. You're in need of a doctor. You are in need of a physician. We all are. We're all in need of his forgiveness. Remember when Jesus went to church and there was a man there with a withered hand? You guys remember that story? You guys remember that? And all the religious leaders, the Pharisees were there. What were they doing? How did they come to church? What attitude did they come to church with? Like baptized in lemon juice. Permascal. Why? They were looking to do what? To criticize him? To see him mess up? What's so amazing to me is here's this man with a withered hand. He's crippled. He's handicapped. And where's he? He's not out in the, out in the city blaming God, whining about his condition. I bet, he, I bet he was lifting up his hand, one, one hand to the Lord. He couldn't lift up the other one. He's there. He's worshiping in the Spirit. He's there. And who was there that day? Jesus was. 
How awesome is that? But those Pharisees missed everything. Why? Because they had a bad attitude bringing to, coming to church. That man with the withered hand, he got healed. He got help. And listen, the Lord wants to bring healing to our lives this morning. Every, listen, every single one of us here this morning needs healing in our lives. Every single one of us, myself included. And the Lord is here with the power to heal our lives. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You have areas in your life, in your marriages, and in your homes that you are in need of healing this morning. Don't be a Pharisee. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The Lord is here. He's right in the middle of this church this morning. He's right in the midst and wants to do a work in your life. And so he was in the spirit, all about attitude. And then what? He hears something. Look at verse 10. What is, John hears what? A loud voice behind him. How did it sound? What did it sound like? A trumpet. What's a trumpet sound like? Loud, bright, distinct. It doesn't say it was a trumpet. It says as a trumpet. And he's going to use those words as and like over and over and over again. Why? Because John is trying to do the best he can, listen, to describe what he's seeing and what he's hearing. He said it sounded like a trumpet. And so when he hears this, what does he do? Look what it says when he hears the voice. What's it say? What does it say? Saying what? I am, it's Jesus speaking, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He repeats, it's again, it's a proclamation of his deity. And he said, he gave instructions, what you see, what you witness, what you're shown, to write it down and to send it to these seven churches. Again, we're going to talk more about the churches next week, next couple of weeks. But these were seven literal historical churches that existed in John's day, and yet these churches have existed throughout church history, and we can find ourselves in any one of these churches. Um, we can find ourselves practically in our own lives in that condition of those churches also. So it's very important we come, we show up the next few weeks as we study these churches together. And so, listen, I would say this morning, when you are in the Spirit, you hear the voice of the Lord. When you're in the Spirit, you hear the voice of the Lord. When you're born again, you're connected with God. You're communing with Him. When you come to church, listen, when you come to church on Sunday mornings and you say, and you say to the Lord, Lord, would you speak to me? Is He going to speak to you? you? Sure, it's not a trick question. He loves you so much. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And you know, I, there's some people that, I, that after church, sometimes they say, you know what? That didn't really speak to me, man. Dude, that, all you did was read the Bible and just talk about it, man. Pastor, you're lame. You're not, you know, you're not very intellectual. You're not like those PhD, doctorate kind of people. You're just, you know, you're just kind of blah. And you know what I say? Thank you, Lord. I realize my deficiencies, my insufficiencies. And you know what? When I am weak, then he is strong. That didn't speak to me, man. You know, that's not always the reason why, because the pastor's lame. Sometimes, sometimes we don't come in the spirit. We don't hear. We haven't come hungry for God. We haven't come hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And you know what happens when we don't week after week? When you don't come hungering for God, when you don't come hungering for thir and thirsting for righteousness, you know what happens? 
Week after week it happens, month after month, year after year, you know what happens? Your heart gets hard. It gets harder and harder and harder and harder. And you know what? It'll take, it'll take some serious demolition to soften that thing up. So, Pastor, I want to hear from God. Can you help me out? You know what? Pray. Would you, can, I, can I encourage you in something? Can you read your Bible before you come, the passage we're going to go through? We're going to probably be in chapter 2 if I ever get done with this chapter <laughs> next week. You can read ahead. Because wherever I end, listen, wherever I end on Wednesdays or Sundays, guess where we're going to pick up? Right there. <laughs> and we're going to keep rolling right through. You can prepare your heart. You can prepare your heart to hear from the Lord. And he will speak to you. Come expecting with anticipation to hear from Jesus. And so he hears, and look what he does next. Verse 12, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, what does John see? I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest, with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Let's stop right there just for a minute. If you're reading ahead and peeking, don't peek, don't peek, don't peek, don't peek. Repent immediately. Because we'll get to that in just a second. This is so exciting. So he turns, check this out, he turns to hear the voice. And this is really the only physical description we have of Jesus, by the way. You guys ever see like a painting of Jesus? Sometimes he has like the, the lamb over his, you guys ever see that painting? Sometimes you see him, he's kind of got like this thing going. You guys know what I'm talking about? You see... Sometimes you see him, he's like the most beautiful, blue-eyed, red-haired Irishman you've ever seen. Or surfer dude, right? Long hair, blue eyes. But really, this is the only description. And so John does a 180, verse 12, does a 180 to see the voice. And having turned, what is he, what's the first thing he takes note of for us? Seven golden lampstands. What does a lampstand do? It gives light. It dispels darkness. Right? We're going to learn about what these lampstands are in just a moment. If you hang tight, don't miss this. To, to, to run a lampstand, to run that, what do you need? You need oil and fire, by the way. Hold on to that. If I'm truly walking in the Spirit, listen, if we're truly walking in the Spirit, I will turn. I will not only, I will not only hear, but I will turn when I hear the Lord's voice. You will turn your life to the things that Jesus is saying. Are you with me? Pastor, what do you mean by that? If you're in the Spirit and you hear His voice, you will turn to the, to the things He's saying. Does Jesus make suggestions? If you would do this, it'd just be so great, you know. I'd really like it if you'd do this. Here's what I'm saying to you, you know. It'd be great if you could do that. Does He say that? What does He give us? He gives us commandments. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? In fact, as, as those that are going to make disciples, 
Jesus said, baptizing them, make, go make disciples of all nations, teaching them all the things that I have commanded you. So to make a disciple, I'm to teach those things that Jesus commands, not his suggestions. And if I'm in the spirit, I hear the, the voice of the Lord, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn and do what he says. I'm going to be obedient to do what he says. I'm going to confess and repent and forsake if there's something he shows me in my heart that doesn't belong. But not only that, he comforts us too, doesn't he? Does the Lord comfort us? Have you been comforted by the Lord? Anyone here? That's a reason to say thank you, Lord. Has he been faithful in your life? Did he make promises to you that he's kept? Yes, that's a reason to praise and thank you. It should cause a turning in our lives. A life that was once unthankful to a life that's totally thankful. Lord, thank you. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for being faithful to me, to your promises in my life. You're so good. Is God good? He's been so good. He's working all things together for good in your life and mine, Christian. We can thank him and praise him and worship him for that. If you're in the spirit, that's what's going to happen. You're going to turn. There'll be a turn in your life. And he sees this amazing revelation of Jesus Christ. What did he see? Verse 13, in the midst of these seven lampstands, right in the middle, one like the Son of Man, one who looked just like Jesus. This is the title, Son of Man, is used, eight, listen, 84 times in the Bible. 84 times, 22 times are prophetic, speaking of Jesus' second coming. Listen, I think when we are in the Spirit, when we turn, when we repent, when we walk in the Spirit, in humility, God gives us eyes to see Him. Catch that? When we're in the Spirit, when we hear Him, when we turn, when we, God wants us to see Him. Why? Why? The beauty of Jesus is seen. And what begins to happen when you see Jesus? In a fresh way, you fall more in love with him. You fall more in love with Jesus. Pastor, what are you talking about, seeing Jesus? I don't know what you're talking about, man. The Bible tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. We see with our spiritual eyes. And what begins to happen when you see the Lord, when you see him work in your life? When you're in the Spirit, when you hear Him, when you turn to face Him, you fall more in love with Him. And you're not just living in the past, off past manna, off past experiences. It's fresh and new in your walk with the Lord. It's vibrant. There's a freshness to it. Well, John took note of his outfit. Look what it says. What did Jesus have on? It says there he he was clothed with a garment, so this full-length robe covering everything, girded about his chest, so he's got a gold band around his chest. I think it speaks of truth. We read in Ephesians 6, remember the belt of truth that holds everything all together? Jesus is the truth, isn't he? He's the source of all truth. Verse 14, what does John notice next? That He took note of his head, his hair, his beard, his white, super white, speaks of purity. How about his eyes? How does he describe Jesus' eyes? Like Like a what? Flame of fire, piercing, purifying. 
You ever, you ever been around someone that like, looks at you and they look right into your soul, it seems like? They just like, their eyes are just... That's the idea here. It speaks of Jesus' omniscience. The book of Hebrews tells us, I think this is a great reminder this morning. Hebrews 4.13 tells us, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. He sees everything, guys. And, and that's really either super convicting or super comforting this morning, isn't it? Because he also looks, like we sang a little while ago, he's watching over us in love. He looks at us with love and compassion. How do you know, Pastor, how do you know that? You guys remember when Peter blew it? Anybody remember that? Cock-a-doodle-doo, you guys remember that story? Peter fell. Jesus told him. Rooster Crowe, he denied him how many times? Three times. You remember what happened? It tells us in one of the Gospels that Jesus looked right at Peter and Peter right at him. I don't think it was like, how could you, what's the matter with you, Peter? I think it was with eyes of compassion. Peter, I told you. And I also gave you the way back to recover, the way to get a right. When you return to me, go and strengthen your brethren. When you come back to me. And he knew he would come back to him and be restored. But Jesus looking at him, just like he's looking here. And I think as, as Jesus is looking at John, look what he does next. He takes his, because his eyes are just penetrating. And look at the next verse, what happens? Where does he do? John immediately looks down. His feet were like what? Fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. So all impurities removed. There's brilliance. Brass speaks of what in the Bible? Judgment, thank you. Throughout the Old Testament, we see brass or bronze speaks of judgment. And he is just, and he will execute judgment at the end of this book in John, or, uh, Revelation 19. But notice his voice, too. Verse 15, what does it say? His voice as the sound of many waters. What's that sound like? Many waters. Heavy. You can not only, you not only hear it, but you feel it. Anybody ever been to Niagara Falls? A few, a few hands coming up here and popping up. It's super loud, isn't it? It's like even after you leave, you're still hearing and feeling it. Not many people have been to Niagara Falls. How about this? Maybe this is a better example. You guys ever pull up to a red light? And you're stopping there, and then a car comes up next to you. And you start here in the base. And it's, it, that car's shaking, but you're shaking too, right? Boom, boom, boom. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know? That little better, better illustration, hopefully. You not only hear it, but you feel it. That's the way his voice is. And then verse 16. In his right hand, seven stars. Out of his mouth, a sharp two-edged sword. In, in the New Testament, there's two words for sword. One for a little, uh, a little dagger. And that's not the word here. This is a giant Sword, it cuts any way you swing it, and it's meant to deal a death blow with one swing. We're going to read this later in, in uh, Revelation 19. When Jesus comes back to execute justice and judgment on this earth, he doesn't need any backup at all. He's not calling for Gabriel and the boys to come help him. He says one word, and all of his enemies are wiped out. He doesn't need help from us. 
That's a reality. One strike and you're done. His countenance was like what? What was his countenance like? His overall appearance, his face, what was it like? The sun shining at full strength. You guys moms ever tell you when you're little, don't look in the sun? Anybody's mom ever tell them that or dad? What did you do? I remember what I did. <laughs> don't look in the sun, son. And what, it's so bright. and what happens? It's so bright, right? No clouds in the sky, Southern California day. Overpowering. Oh, this whole scene, majestic, beautiful, glorious, powerful. Notice now John's response. Now let's look. Now you can peek. And when I saw him, I gave him a fist bump and said, what's up, Holmes? Is that what it says? Where you been, man? Been missing you, dog. Give me a chest bump, high five. This is heavy. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. John is so overwhelmed. He's so blown away. He says, I had no strength, no life in me. I fell forward in his direction. A dead man, think about a dead man. A dead man doesn't move. There's John. He, can't, he doesn't move at all. He's cut to the core in the presence of God Almighty. This is the, the risen, resurrected, glorious Jesus Christ. And you know what? This happened a few other times in Scripture, didn't it? You guys remember Isaiah? Saw the Lord high and lifted up. He was broken in the Lord's presence. Peter, remember Peter when he went fishing with Jesus? Remember that the first time? Depart from me, I'm a sinful man. The Apostle Paul, a.k.a. Saul, on the road to Damascus, hunting down Christians, knocked down in the, with the brilliance and the glory and the splendor, the holiness of Jesus Christ. Listen, this morning, I want to follow along this theme. If we're truly in the Spirit, guess what? It'll produce humility in our lives. If we are truly in the Spirit, it will produce brokenness in our lives. If we are truly in the Spirit, it will provoke us to worship. And this is something that is lacking in the church today. It's an element that needs to be restored because some have become so familiar with Jesus, we border we border on being irreverent. We strip away His holiness and who He is. And we make Him into something He's not, some pliable, soft buddy. Oh, He is the friend that sticks closer to a brother than a brother. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He's our shepherd. He's our daddy. But He's also Almighty God, you guys. We're not dealing with just a man, a good teacher, but Almighty God. And I love what Jesus does. It's so glorious. We need this fresh vision and, and, and revelation of Jesus, a realization of who we are in the presence of daily. Every day we're in His presence. Jesus reaches down mercifully, graciously, and does what? But He laid His right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. 
and I have the keys of Hades and death. So glorious. He reaches down, righteous right hand, touches him, reminds him that he is the source of our peace, you guys. Jesus is the source of our peace. And he says to him, stop fearing. Maybe that's, that's a word for someone here this morning. Stop fearing. Jesus is in control. He's the source of our peace. And he reminds us who he is once again. He's the infinite God. He's the Savior. He alone saves. He was dead. He's alive forevermore. That's amen. Amen. That's the truth. That's what that means. So be it. He's got the keys. Keys means you have power, access, influence. In other words, he says, I rule over the grave. I rule. And then notice verse 19 as we finish. Two verses. We got how many minutes we got? Three minutes. Sweet, we can do it. He says what? Write the things which you have seen. That's number one. This is our, this is our three, three-fold outline for the book. If you're taking notes, he says, number one, write the things which you have seen. Number two, and the things which are. And then number three, and the things which will take place after this. You guys, this will be the divine outline for the entire book. I will keep going back to this over and over and over again. Number one, Jesus says to John, write down the things which what? Which you have seen. That is chapter one. He just saw the the risen, glorified Jesus. Then he says, write down the things which what? Which are. That's chapter two and chapter three. The seven report cards that go to the churches that existed in John's day. Are you with me still? This is so important. This will keep your bearings straight for the whole book. And then third, what's he say? Write the things which will take place after... Is that what it says? Take place after this. Metatauta is the Greek. That's chapter 4 all the way to the end of the book, chapter 22. So simple. The Lord wants us to understand this book, you guys. We may not understand every single bit and part, but he wants us to understand his word and get a fresh vision of Jesus Christ. What's the last verse say? Check it out. We're done. The mystery of the seven stars. Were you wondering about those seven stars? Anybody wondering about what those seven stars are? Here it is. And the seven golden lampstands. Anybody wondering about the golden lampstands? What in the world are those? Jesus tells us what they are. Look what it says. The seven stars are the angels or messengers, some of your Bibles say, of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus tells us what they are. We don't have to make makeup stuff. We don't have to come up with some symbolic things here. He tells us what they are, correct? Anybody like that this morning? Jesus helps us out. It's, a, it's, this mis- it's not a mystery like Nancy Drew, like who done it. It's something that's hidden, but now it's revealed to us by Jesus The seven stars in his right hand, where did that come from? Which verse in chapter 1? If your Bible's still open, if you close your Bible, repent. No. (laughs) Which verse? Verse 16, thank you. Seven golden lampstands, which verse? Verse 12 and 13, yes, that's right. The angels... That word, this is important, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this probably at least seven times in the next few weeks. 
Angels, listen, the word angels in Greek is angelos. And the word is used either for a ministering spirit, an angel, Hebrews chapter 1, you can check that out, or it's used for a physical minister. Are you with me? It's either a ministering spirit or it's used as a physical minister or a messenger. The same word is used, angelos, it's used for John the Baptist. It's used for John the Baptist's disciples. It's used for James and John in the Gospels. It's used for Jesus' disciples. And check this out. It's in the book of James. Remember the two spies that came to Rahab? You guys remember that? That same word is used for them. The same word, messenger or physical uh, minister, minister uh, is the word. So there's seven ministers each church has a messenger. I personally believe, this is my own opinion, I believe it's speaking of the senior pastor or the lead pastor, the one responsible to communicate the word of God to the church, to be faithful, to minister what they've received from the Lord. Are you with me? I don't believe an angel like flies in and gives the message to the church. I believe it's a physical minister that's delivering the message. Last thing, lampstand. what does a lampstand do again? Gives light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We as a church are meant to shine with good works, bringing glory to our heavenly Father. Where is Jesus in relation to those lampstands? Is he nearby? Is he like a couple miles away? He's right where? He's right... He's right in the middle. Do you know that he's right in the middle of this church this morning? Do you, know that, do you know that Jesus is okay with different kinds of churches? We're going to see seven different kinds of churches. He's okay with that. Did you know that? He, he loves us just like he loves our Baptist brothers right here and all the other 50 churches on this road here. <laughs> he's okay with different styles of churches, different types of ministries. Some, listen, some emphasize spiritual gifts. Some emphasize uh, worship. Some emphasize, you know, reaching out to the community, doing beneficial stuff. Hey, listen, we try to, we try to uh, have a balance here. We do a lot of missions and uh, church planting now, too. That's our thrust. And listen, Jesus is cool with all the churches. It's just like we like to, you guys shop for groceries. Some of us go to HEB. Some go to where? Walmart? Kroger? That's a bad illustration. How about where you get filled up for gas? Some of you go to Sunoco. They stuff Sunoco? Texaco? Texaco? Shell, thank you. There's one. Exxon. But the bottom line is Jesus is at the center, not a denomination, not a pastor, not a preacher. Jesus is at the center. Listen, I think like John, as we close, the only, the only appropriate or legitimate response the only appropriate or legitimate response to the person of Jesus Christ is total, complete, 100% surrender. That's the only appropriate response in worship of him. How can, how can anyone read this and say, you know what, I'll just give him 50%. No, you know, nah, I'm going to give him 
Jesus Christ is worthy of 100% of our lives. If he's not, then this morning you need to make an adjustment. Maybe you need to reread that passage and get alone with the Lord and allow his word. Maybe, maybe you get it. You're like, I hear you. I hear the Lord speaking to my heart. I haven't been in the spirit. I need to be in the spirit coming to church consistently. I need to be in the spirit every day that I might hear his voice be led by him to see him in a fresh way. And maybe you've come in here this morning and saying, you know what, Pastor, I am that person that comes and I'm physically here and I'm mentally here, but I don't get it spiritually. And that's okay. You are at the right place. It's not an accident you're here. It's not an accident you're listening. God loves you so much. He's not going to let you get away. He's going to give you, listen, another opportunity this morning to find forgiveness of your sins that you might have the hope of everlasting life. Which is, that's the, the most important decision you'll ever make is concerning your eternity. But not just that, you'll begin a walk with Jesus today. You'll come to know him personally and he will show himself mighty in your life and he will show you in his word. He'll open your eyes. He'll give you a hunger and thirst for those things that weren't there before. He will change your life and you'll never be the same. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You get a fresh start today. You, you are in need of, if you don't know him today, you are in need of a fresh start because where you're headed, you're on a broad path of destruction. And I'm reaching out this morning in love to pull you out of the fire. You're heading for the fire. I would be a, I would be a derelict pastor if I didn't share that this morning. But I'll be faithful to share with you. Hell is real. Heaven is real. And we all will die. And Jesus doesn't want any to perish, but that all should come to repentance. Open your heart to him. You make him number one and listen, everything will work out because he promises it. Amen? Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much. What else can we say, Lord, this morning? But wow, God, thank you. Thank you for this, this fresh revelation of who you are. Forgive us, Lord. And we play fast and loose with your word or become irreverent and disrespectful. Thank you for bearing with us for your patience, your mercy, your amazing grace. For being so good. So good to each one of us. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for answering our prayers this morning, working in our hearts, speaking to us, touching us, transforming us, God. And this morning as we finish our Bible study, as we're still in an attitude of prayer, I don't think I need to labor it any longer. Maybe that, that's you this morning. You've never come to know Jesus personally. And you want to open your heart to him right now. So simple. Let me pray with you. I'm not asking you to join a church or sign some membership card or perform some ritual. None of those things will save you. Only Jesus. 
I want to pray with you right now, lead you in a prayer. So simple. Even a child can understand. The one who came and died on the cross for your sins and mine. He suffered, died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. He's reaching out to you right now. Will you respond to him? Will you raise up your hand if that's you? Can I pray with you this morning? You raise that hand real high if that's you. You you want to open your heart to Jesus? Again, it's the most important decision you'll ever make is concerning your eternity. Anyone at all here this morning? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? As we're still in an attitude of prayer this morning, maybe you've been listening and you realize you're the guy that just hasn't been coming in the Spirit for whatever reason. And this morning you need prayer. I want to pray for you right now. Would you raise up your hand? Can I pray for you? God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else this morning? God bless you, sister. God bless you. God bless you, bro. God bless you, sister. I see you. That means every one of us is walking in the Spirit 24-7. Good job. God bless you, sister. God bless you, brother. God bless you. God bless you, bro. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. God bless you, sis. God bless you. God bless you, sister. I see your hand. So great. The Lord's doing a work this morning. God bless you. Don't be, don't be like the Pharisees. The Lord wants to heal and help you this morning. You raise up that hand if that's you. Anyone else this morning? God bless you. See your hand. God bless you, sister. So sweet. God bless you, bro. Most important thing is the Lord sees. He looks right into our hearts. And he promises anyone that asks that he'll fill you with his spirit afresh. God bless you. God bless you. So great. God bless you, bro. Anyone else this morning? I don't want to stop if the Holy Spirit is working in your heart. This is so great. God bless you. I see your hand. Sweet sister, thank you. I see your hand. God bless you. So great. God bless you, bro. So beautiful. What a beautiful work of God's Spirit. Jesus said that we come to Him and drink and out of our hearts will flow rivers of living water. Is that a description of your life this morning? Out of your heart is flowing rivers of living water. If not, you need to come to Jesus. Drink, fill up. Say, Lord, fill me up. Let me pray for you this morning. Is that you? Anyone else this morning? God bless you, bro. So sweet. I believe that's a prayer God will answer. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. So sweet. God bless you. God bless you, bro. Awesome. So sweet. Anyone else? So great. Thank you, Lord. God spoke to the ancient to ancient Israel and said that they had forsaken him, the fountain of living waters. I'm going to ask one more time. Maybe you want to be filled up this morning. Don't forsake the fountain of living waters. He wants to fill you up. God bless you, sister. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. So great. God bless you. See your hands. So sweet. So great. God is so good. He loves you so much. Look to him this morning. Anyone else? I'm going to pray for us. God bless you. So great. God is so good.
Lord, thank you so much for my precious brothers and sisters. Lord, those that have raised their hands, they've opened their hearts to just to be filled this morning. They want to walk in the Spirit, Lord. And you tell us to simply come to you and to ask. And you promised, Lord, that rivers of living water would flow from our hearts. God, may that be a description of our lives in reality. That we would be men and women under your influence. That we want to hear from you, Lord, as we commune with you and connect with you. To hear your voice and to follow your lead and to walk in those good works, Lord, that you've prepared. God, we need, we need you. It's, it's, this is a confession that we need you. We need that fresh work of your spirit in our hearts and our lives. We don't want to become old wineskins, Lord. We want to be softened up with, with the oil of your spirit this morning, softened to receive what you have for us. That we would be men and women that follow your lead, Jesus, full of grace and truth. Loving as you've called us to. And so fill us afresh this morning. Use our lives, Lord. Stir up the giftings and callings. May we shine brightly. Thank you for hearing our cries, for answering our prayers this morning. And it's in your precious and holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.